I got ready to come this morning, I just, something began to just kind of tingle inside. I, I was excited. I am so excited about your church right now. That's what it's all about. I'm excited about your pastoral call. It's been a very, it's been a long time, but you know, it won't be very long now before Tom and Sherry Raven will be here with you. And um, I, I just, um, I just can't wait to see what this new phase of your journey is going to be. And I just want to encourage you this morning and say that I really am very excited. I think God has been faithful, and you realize that. So I wanted, wanted to keep that excitement. You know, you're looking forward to something just about ready to happen for you, and uh, it's exciting for me. Well, I didn't know how to start this morning. I had a couple different openings, but I, I wanted to give you just my last few coaching things with you. Maybe I ought to give you some things. I hope this isn't too late in the season. Some, some things that you um, probably shouldn't give your mates in sh- Christmas shopping. Is, is it too late? Uh, ten gifts that your wives don't want to have for Christmas. All right, guys? A car wash kit. A table saw. A two-day pass, all-day pass of Circuit City Home Theater Installation Seminar. A case of oil. Five-year subscription to Sports Illustrated. Custom engraved bowling ball, maybe, maybe not. New outboard motor for your fishing boat. Rambo Trilogy on DVD. A new salad dish with a sports package. Maybe I should change that if it has NASCAR or or, um, some of those things that some of you women are getting into these days in football. Three-year membership to the Weight Watchers Clinic, all right? Don't do it. But women... I wanted to be on your side. There's ten gifts your husbands don't want for Christmas. They don't want Anne of Green Gables Collection Edition with 74 minutes of extra footage, all right? Or any knick-knack for, for that big. Tickets to the ballet, all right? All right, a new tie. Well, maybe Brian, but... Bath and Body Works soap basket, all right? New teddy bear pajamas, all right? Vacuum cleaner. A weekend seminar on getting in touch with your feelings. <laughs> a pair of fuzzy bunny slippers, all right? A nose and ear trimmer, hair trimmer, all right? All right. I just had to give you something this morning. This is Coach, Coach McVeigh's last opportunity, and I don't want you to miss Christmas and getting what you should have. This Christmas season, as we've celebrated as a church, we've kind of went around what we call the blockbuster Christmas, or there's many TV or there's many movies that we we watch would ought to be the catalyst of what we're trying to use this year. This year's clip, it's a one, or this week's clip is "It's a Wonderful Life." It's a story that you see every Christmas, Christmas Eve, kind of behind the scenes of that. Christmas Eve finds George Bailey deeply troubled. There's been many prayers go up from his friends and families, and it reaches heaven. Now, Clarence is an angel second class, and he's assigned to save him, to save, Clarence, uh, to save George Bailey, and to earn his wings. Now, he's been given instructions. George Bailey is a man who is imminent to suicide on Christmas Eve, and um, he needs this intervention. And so Clarence, to show that, he intervenes. You see, $8,000 is missing, and everybody blames George for it, and George has just had all he can take. He's going to 
just going to let loose of everything. He takes out his frustrations on his family, and that happens so often when we have a bad time. And uh, he storms off, he gets drunk, and he crashes his car into a tree in a snowstorm, and he staggers to the bridge and determines to commit suicide. And that kind of gives us the beginning of this clip that we want to deal with this morning. Get me back to my wife and kids. Help me, Clarence, please. Please. I want to live again. I want to live again. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. Hey, George. George. to advance you up to $25,000 dollars. Oh. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. You don't have to cry, all right? But it's one of those old Christmas specials, black and white, but it's one of the sweetest um, stories you'll see over the Christmas holidays. But George Bailey was looking for something in life. He wanted to find, and it's called the most wonderful life, and he finds it in his family, his friends, and that. And that's not a bad place to find it. Relationships is what we preached about just last Sunday. Is that not correct? And so I think it's very important for us to understand that. But we, this morning, to spin off that, we would like to talk to you about life. Do you ever wonder about life? Now, I believe that we have entered a brand new stage, you might say, within America's religious thinking. Uh, it's been happening, if I don't lose this off the platform. Um, the, um, it's a brand new stage, and everybody, I believe in America, is starting to look about what is religion all about. Uh, not too long ago, USA Today and U.S. News Report published an article in Search of Christmas. Time, some years ago, 
talked about the, God in the Internet, searching for God, Jesus online. Newsweek had an article, Search for the Sacred, uh, for the sacred America's Quest for Spiritual Meaning. And on and on, and especially after 9-11, we saw that turn back. But um, in case you don't know it, church, probably the old battle between the fundamentalists and the conservatives is probably yesteryears, all right? The new view is spirituality. Now, there's a difference between just spirituality and knowing that your faith is in Jesus Christ. But that is the battle today. That is where the church has to move in. But everybody is asking about spirituality. No longer is spirituality put on the back burner and it's just for those poor people going down to church. People are going to find a way to be spiritual someplace, but where are they going to find it? And that's where we want to come to you this morning. Former Beatle George Harrison often said, Everything else can wait, but the search for God cannot wait. Love one another. Everything about our fiber in our society speaks to the thing that spirituality is on the rise. So I would like to talk to you about the search for God. Finding out what is the center of life and what that really means. Now I would find that in the Christmas story in the story of the three wise men, if you want to call it, or the wise or the magi. I would call them, I don't know what you call them, whether you call them the magi, the wise men, or kings, or as tradition has three kings, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I would like to call them the original seekers, all right? Because I believe that they sought for Christ, and they did their very best, and God answered their prayers. The, the wise men's search for the Savior is kind of the theme when we talk about do you ever wonder about life. Now, I, um, I've always wanted, I love plays, especially children growing up in the church as I did, how many plays you have to be in at different levels, you know. And I, I, I've never wanted to be one of those stinking shepherds, you know what I mean? What, I mean, what is it with the bath robes <laughs> and a few things wrapped around? I want those crowns and those real magnificent garments, right? That's what you get if you get to be a wise man. Well, the question is, who, who are those wise men or the magi? Matthew doesn't tell us much. In fact, of all the other characters, we know the least about these men who came from the east than anybody else. All we are told is their magi came from the east. Now, that term within biblical times, it meant a person who was a kind of a combination between an astronomer, a scientist, a doctor, a philosopher. In other words, they were very well educated, but they were also very wealthy. Now, we don't know where they came from. Persia, China, India. I kind of think more toward Persia and India, but... Um, well, maybe I ought to ask you, I kind of gave it away, how many wise men were there? Maybe we ought to see how educated we are. How many wise men were there? Three. Okay, that's one of the myths, because we don't know how many wise men, do we? The Bible doesn't tell us, so we'll get into that. I, I, that's what we all say, and we know why, because they came carrying three gifts. Thank you for helping me out with that. But um, the wise men, we don't know how many, but we know, what, we know that they probably uh, traveled in a large group. Probably you don't see three wise men coming on camels across the desert, but you see this whole caravan. In fact, uh, John MacArthur in, in his book on the wise men says they probably didn't even ride camels, they probably came on Arabian horses in a great caravan. I like the camel idea better, don't you? But uh, whatever our legend is, that isn't what is important. It's the idea that they came seeking the answers that they were looking for in spiritual things. 
They were there to find God. I believe they were the first seekers. And, I, and if you're here today, and if you're a seeker, I want you to know that you're in good company. I stand here this morning as a seeker after God, not just saying I've arrived. I think everything about me, theology, I have, I have not even arrived in my theology. That is really dangerous, isn't it? The more I discover God, the more my theology grows. And I like to think that I'm a seeker this morning. That is a healthy place to be, and I, I want to encourage you to be a church that seeks after God. So this morning, to follow the wise men, I would give you three things that I would encourage you to do. First off, you can seek the truth about life. They sought the truth, or the real, what is the reality of God, what is the real world all about. They came to find what truth is all about. Um, see, there's a big difference between spectators and seekers. There's a big difference. There are many people who attend church that are great spectators, but there's not always that many seekers. I, I want to encourage you to move from the spectator role into the seeking role. That's what Christmas is all about. I, um, as you were into here's what a spectator, they would say, well, well, I think God is like, or um, my idea of God is like, I can only really imagine God to be this or that. What? What do I care what you think? I mean, it really doesn't matter what you think. It's what is the reality. And so spectators just guess. They, they conjecture. They, they give their guess as what... And your guess is as good as mine. Anybody can guess, right? But a seeker is something special because they say, I am going to follow the truth until I find it and it fills my life. And so I give you that as an assumption this morning. Take the time, for we find in Matthew, the second chapter, this wonderful story. And after Jesus' birth, and by the way, this is sometime later than the nativity scene. I hope I'm not making your little legend crumble. And don't take the wise men off of the manger scene, all right? But it probably wasn't invented at the stable because they came to the house. The wise men came from the east and arrived at Jerusalem and there they worshiped Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. And they observed, they said, his star rising, and now they have come to worship him. Just another question, since we're into the quiz mode this morning. Where, what about the 12 days of Christmas? You know where that came from? Oh, I just had to give that one. because Anyhow, the 12 days of Christmas is the difference between the days counting from um, December the 25th to Epiphany, which is January the 6th. When the wise men appear, all right? Great, now we got our Christmas story together, all right? And I, I think we ought to enjoy those 12 days now, don't you? The real 12 days of Christmas, all right. Okay, I, more information than you wanted. I'm with you on that one. All right, three things that genuine seekers do, and I find it in this sermon this morning. First, genuine seekers watch what is happening in the world. They're alert, they're observant. They saw a star that was different in the sky and they were alerted to it. You know, it's almost impossible for you to look at the world and read your, the scriptures without realizing this is a special day that we're living in, isn't it? And real seekers of God begin to realize there is something special happening. I believe even right now as I stand before you, we live in great days as we're about to see what God is going to do. Secondly, the genuine seeker asks questions. They ask things like, 
what do you think this means? They start asking around and said, what does this sign mean? Or, or uh, where is it? Where are we to go? They ask questions. Um, I love to think that Christians ask the big questions and the right questions, right? Sometimes churches have this thing, don't ask questions, just do as I tell you, right? I like to move from that, from that to become a genuine seeker that I am always asking questions. I guess I love this more than you're loving it. I don't know why that is not coming across that way, but I believe that's what Christians, the seekers, are doing. Third thing, they did whatever it took to find the answer, and there is the secret right there. If you're a genuine seeker, and I encourage you to do that, when you ask a question, why am I here? Where am I going? Is there a God and does he care? You need to do what it takes to find out. I remember when I used to be at sport time and I used to have a gathering as a minister there. I, there were some professors and some... Well, I had... I, I don't know why in the locker room as I played racquetball there, some of those doctors and professors and whatnot, they um, begin to um, question me about spiritual things and... I had my answers. But one of the things I'd always say to them, it isn't fair for you just to tell me what you think. You have to begin to seek. If you really want to find the answer, you're going to have to do some research. And you haven't done your research. Okay? A seeker has to follow through on what they're seeking. And that is the story that we have before us this morning. You know, it's ironic to me that right here in the spiritual happening... Six miles away was a center of spirituality. Six miles away, there's Jerusalem. And all of the thinkers and all the religious and all the theologians, they're gathered around there, and not one of them went from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to see who this Christ child was. That should alert us. That should alarm us. So often, it remains that. It's the seekers who find the Christ. These guys that came, they weren't even believers. We believed them to be pagans from a foreign country. But they were genuine seekers, and they had a serious commitment to find the reality or find the truth. That's the problem with many of us today. We want the truth, but we really don't want to take the time and the problems or the struggles to really fulfill it. When you feel unfulfilled and you have this feeling within you sometimes of dissatisfaction with life, you feel unfulfilled. I believe that's God beginning to work to change your life and draw you in a direction, but you need to start seeking. The good news is this. While you're searching for God, God's searching for you. God wants you to really get to know him. He wants to get you to know him on a spatial plane. In fact, Jeremiah the prophet would say it this way, when you search for me with a little bit of going to church on Sunday morning. I, whoops, I missed that one. When you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. It's so important to go after it full blast. I appreciate those in this church I've got to know that comes from so many different backgrounds. Listen, we need to search for God more in this day than any other day. Searching with all of our heart. Secondly, I would like to say to you this morning, you need to experience or you can experience the joy. It's one of my favorite things when I start talking about Christmas. 
that wonderful Christmas carol, Joy to the World, as both the missionaries, first really a missionary course, you know that, for it was a Christmas carol, but it's that great hymn of the church. But Joy to the World. And I want to say to you that to experience this, often as you begin to do that, what I like about the shepherds is that I believe when you begin to search for God, God begins to give you signs. All right? You know, God doesn't leave you out there all alone. It's a... It's amazing. I don't want to take you into world religions now, but I believe that there are those, and I can prove to you there are those that's called from all types of world religions, and when they start searching, I believe the Holy Spirit begins to pull them and bring them to Jesus Christ. The greatest Muslims that's coming to Jesus Christ right now are having dreams because they believe that God speaks to them in dreams, and they actually dream these things, and God brings them to the truth. Did you know that? See, not everybody experiences God like you and I know. Here's the four law, spiritual laws. Or is it five or six now? I don't know. Um, and I'm not making fun of that. I'm sorry if that goes across that way. But the search, if you get people searching for the truth, if you get people searching for God, God begins to answer. He, he does give the guidelines, and he will bring you from wherever you are to the truth. I, I love that about God. He gives you a sign, a clue, a trail marking, a guide so that you'll know the way. The, the wise men weren't just left out there, but as soon as they started out, they, they saw the star, but this star, and you know, you know, I love to talk about this star, you know. I, yes, I've done the, the studies. Remember, I have, I have done a little study. It could be some kind of um, formation out there. But the thing is about when I study stars, they don't do what this star does. It, does, it doesn't go out here and lead them to the east and then it turns south. Later on, comes and stands over where a house is. I'm sorry, I think this is a miracle. I still believe in the miracles of the Bible. This isn't just a general... And I want to tell you that God will work a miracle in your life. If you really want to know the truth, God will take you in the right direction and He will bring the stars and the signs. It may not be a star in the sky. It may be a person brought into your life. It may be a message that is brought to you. It may be a book that you've been reading. Wherever it may be, I am here to say that God is real and He wants to bring you into all truth and give you the special victory in the relationship that God wants you to have. I was just talking to Karen Yates this uh, yeah, last night and she was telling me about some of you people who talked to her and brought her to church and then meeting George Gasperson and some of the experiences these are the signs, these are the stars that begin to happen in people's lives that bring them into Christ. We have to begin. I love it. You know, I, God, I always say this, God's doing everything he can to get you to heaven. If you don't get there, it's because you're rebellious and you're just too stubborn to go. And we get that way sometimes, but did I really believe that this morning? Well, experience this as you, as you look for it the custom-made star in your life, what God gives you. So what is the star? You have a choice when these things happen. You can be like some. You can react like Herod with fear. You can act like the religious leaders, indifferent. How many Sundays do we come to church and God kind of moves and we go out and nothing's ever changed? Indifferent. Or you can act like the wise men and begin to celebrate. I love this scripture. It said, and, they saw the, they, uh, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I can't bring you that Greek to that. It's mucha. 
is the word, but it means joy beyond belief, and it's just like they begin to get so excited that they were kind of dancing around. I, I feel like doing a spiritual dance this morning. Don't, <laughs> you don't want to see. <laughs> don't challenge me like that. That isn't, that isn't even fair. But don't you, isn't, isn't there something about coming to the truth that actually gets us a little excited a little bit? It's a glorious thing when God begins to bring the people into our lives and to bring us to the direction so that we can really find the truth and what is happening in our lives. The guides, the clues, the people, the events, all those things. If you're a believer this morning, one of the things I would like for you to do this Christmas, I don't know why I'm having trouble with this. Um, when, you, uh, when you're a believer, is that clear now? Can you hear me? Um, when, uh, when you're a, if you're a believer this morning, one of the things I'd like for you to do this Christmas, I, like Mary, pound, uh, pondered things in her heart. Would you just do a little exercise maybe this week? Would you look back at your life at the star that God brought in, the pathway that God brought you, the people? And I think you ought to rejoice about what God has done in your life. I think that would be a good thing for Christmas to, to experience the joy that way. If you're a non-believer, if you're a seeker to the place that you've never come into the faith, I'm here to tell you that God's going to use everything imaginable to get you to the kingdom of God. Keep your eyes open. I love this thing about joy and the angels speaking to, to the shepherds that day said, I bring you the most joyous news ever announced, and it's for everyone. Your Savior has been born tonight. Why is Christmas such good news? Because the Savior of the world has come. The Savior of the world, your Savior, has come. And I always, right along with this, John the 10th chapter and verse 10, Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and life in all its fullness. I would like for you this morning to seek the truth, experience the joy. And if you do those things, I would like to, the third thing I think you can do is recognize the gift. Recognize who this baby really was. The Bible says he was no mere baby. He was God come in the flesh. Colossians, the first chapter, verses 15 through 16, puts it this way. Christ is the exact likeness of an unseen God. He existed before God made anything at all. And in fact, God, um, God, um, Christ himself. I don't know what is up there. Okay, good. Something was printed here. Christ himself was, is the creator of everything made in heaven and earth. Can you imagine as we celebrate the little baby... That Christ come as a baby is actually your creator this morning. That baby in the manger, before he ever became a manger in the manger scene, ever before he ever became a baby, Christ created you and the whole world. Wow. Is that hard for you to catch hold of? It's something special about Christmas as we celebrate the happenings. Accept this gift that God has given us because, you see, He's the creator of all. He created you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. This is the gift beyond anything that we can even begin to make. So how do we recognize the gift? I like what the wise men did here. And when the Magi, the wise men, went into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped Him. And they opened their treasures chest and they offered him gifts of gold 
frankincense and myrrh. The Bible says they fell on their knees. In many ways, you would, the picture I'd give to you, they prostrated themselves. It was like they came into the presence of a king on his throne instead of a baby in a manger, but they prostrated themselves as they worshipped the king. You realize that the Magi were often thought of in that day as the kingmakers. They weren't the kings, but, but they, through their dreams, often, often were the people who made kings. Probably, and uh, I don't want to know how far you want to go into the Magi, but um, Magi probably were highly influenced by Daniel. You know, he actually interpreted dreams back there in the Persian Empire. And some of his influences, no doubt, has even filled on him. But they were the kingmakers. Their dreams and their interpretations often made nations or caused them to crumble. Interesting thing. And as I see the, these wise men, they recognize what they have found. And they fell down and they worship him. I want us to recognize the importance of that worship. Now, they didn't worship Joseph and they didn't worship Mary. They were all there. They didn't worship the star. They didn't worship any of those other things. What did they worship? They fell down and they worshiped the baby because he was our Savior. Well, you know, I always have to throw one of these in. Always like children around Christmas time, don't you? I like this little preschooler said, and the maggots brought gifts, and they brought gold, gifts of gold, Frankenstein, and the Smurfs. <laughs> All right, well, that's for you. All right, I had to, I just can't leave those alone. But anyhow, the wise men, what did they bring to us? What were some of the things they brought? The first thing they brought, gold. And the reason why that this gift is what you always give to the king a king doesn't want some little thing that was un invaluable. You bring gold when you give it to the king. Its value in that day was so high as it is today. And when you give this Christ child, this baby, give him something worthy of a king. Secondly, they gave him frankincense. Frankincense was very rare and expensive. It actually came from the bark of a tree in Arabia. Um, it was burnt in worship. And so... See, there's so much inspiration. I, I'd like to, I don't know that much about the wise men, but I see so much inspiration in what they gave. First of all, they, they recognize him as king, and secondly, they bring something, they recognize him as something more than a king. This is someone in, used in worship, so what? This is the Savior. This is the person who is the priest of the universe, and they give him frankincense. Not only that, they also brought him the baby myrrh. Now, that's an odd gift. I don't see anybody bringing myrrh from the New East unless it's... I think it's an act of inspiration. Maybe I read too much into this. But see, I, I believe the whole Bible's a miracle. I, I, I know I've done all the Greek criticisms and all that, and I, I love to... I, I think sometimes we don't do enough of that type of thing. But may I tell you that God is bigger than any of our scientific... I do not approach the Bible metaphysically. I approach it Spiritually, because I believe that God is bigger than our known universe. I believe in the open universe. And God in all his power does these things. And I believe the Holy Spirit, drawn in their heart, somehow inspired them to bring myrrh. And what does that give us? The very picture of what we are going to celebrate this morning. He's not only the baby, the king, but he's going to die on the cross.
And this is the embalming fluid to be given that he becomes the Savior of the world by giving his own life. I don't know how much is written in that inspiration, and maybe I'm reading into it, but certainly this morning, I thank God for his gift, the Son of God, to us. His gift is too wonderful for words, and I want to recognize it. There's two invitations I give you this morning. First invitation I give you to be a seeker. I don't know who you might be this morning. I don't know what the question marks are. Those question marks aren't bad. I want to tell you that. If you have questions this morning and there's things that you don't understand about life, I'd like to, do you wonder about life? I, I would like to think that there's something bigger and greater that my, my, my sight just needs to grow and grow and grow. And if you want to be a seeker this morning, I want you to know that God's seeking you. And he's going to provide those things that give you the answers. Secondly, I want to invite you, not only as a seeker, if you're a believer this morning, we're celebrating the Christ come in the flesh. When we take communion, we take communion this morning not just as, as a religious symbol, but it's literally that God, that we cannot reach, Karl Barth would say, the holy other beyond the higher criticism, beyond what man can try to explain away. God exists no matter what man says, but as he comes down into this earth, he comes for something that you and I can attach to, a babe in a manger, Christ in the flesh. As we take communion this morning, it's his body that we celebrate, and it's his blood poured out. The manger is not complete without the cross. And I want to invite you to take it. Would you pray with me? And if you're a seeker this morning, we first we're going to pray with you and then I'd like to prepare our hearts for this time of communion. Lord, we come today. Lord, you know in my own heart, as a teenager, how I believe religion was just a false emotion. And yet how you brought me to you. Holy Spirit, in this church this morning, for every person is seeking and asking questions, would you not bring the answers to them? Would you not bring the star to appear that brings them beyond their level of thinking and opens up the new world to them of who you are in relationship with you? We ask it this morning in Jesus' name.